0: Sam Kenny used to be a vegetarian. Now he's one of Australia's leading butchers Running six very fancy butcher shops In Melbourne's most affluent suburbs
1: The Canning Experience is a beautiful fit out A nice uh, shop aesthetically Super clean, super organised Ideally, uh, look, one of the goals for us Is that it doesn't smell like a butcher shop
0: I told you they were fancy shops It's the award-winning small business big marketing show Thanks to American Express
2: ah. yeah, Marketing show where successful small business
1: owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed.
0: And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing duggery. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Today's 435th episode is made possible thanks to American Express and to see how you can turn your existing expenses into some seriously good rewards, Google Amex Business after the show. Speaking of show, it's a big one today. Fancy Pants Butcher, yes, Fancy Pants Butcher, Sam Canning, shares how he's successfully disrupting a very staid industry. Listener Danielle shares the success she's having from implementing two ideas from this show. And this week's Jingle of the Week, well, it'll either put you off milk forever or make you love it forever. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Okay, let's meet Sam Canning. Who was a vegetarian before becoming a celebrated butcher? His experience in paddock to plate butcher shops in the UK inspired him to open his first shop here in Australia with a focus, believe it or not, on animal welfare. In 2010, the first Cannings Butcher Shop was opened in the leafy Melbourne suburb of Hawthorne. Now, Sam has six shops. And let me tell you, they're not your average butcher's shop. They're quite beautiful. And he's in the process of opening up two more. This rapid growth hasn't come without some pain, which Sam talks about. Plus, he shares how he's gone about cleverly disrupting a very staid industry in butchery, if that's a word. I started off by asking Sam why he gave up being a video <laughs>
1: Um Look, I think that was just inevitable working in the meat industry. Um, But, look, I don't know. I think probably, I don't know, maybe I just forgot about where meat comes from for a little bit and, you know, just let the – just let it – I don't know. Maybe I wanted to forget it. I don't know. Clearly.
0: (laughs) How how old were you when you became a carnivore?
1: Oh, look, you know, to be honest, I still don't eat a lot of meat. Um, Don't tell anyone that. No, I know. Look, I think – you know everybody's uh everybody's a little bit different and look i think i thrive without meat but um uh, but there's something i couldn't give up and i couldn't give up bacon i just uh, oh, hello I hello love, bacon i love bacon i love bacon but you know i can't remember the last time i had a steak honestly it's been that long
0: is that weird saying so it, it sounds weird coming from a high-end butcher who makes a living from selling meat uh, correct me if i'm wrong <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know. You just got to listen to your body, I guess. And yes. as I said, it's, it's not something that, 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 you know, I don't really crave it. I mean, I don't, you know, once again, I crave bacon, but, uh, you know, it's uh, and I love beef burgers. But aside from that, you know, I'm kind of a bit, you know, whatever.
0: Let's have a quick romantic bacon discussion, Sam. What's your favorite bacon?
1: Well, you know what? I mean, look, our bacon is absolutely awesome. No the doubt. bacon that we, that, that we make ourselves, it's, um, you know, it's quite smoky. Um, but I'm actually loving at the moment a dry cured bacon, which we buy from uh, a local uh, producer, Provador, uh, Pacton Park. Uh, they're up in Achuca and they uh, they do a dry cured free-range bacon. Right-o. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's preservative free and it is absolutely awesome. It's like herby and a little bit peppery, but it's like... You know, it's the belly bacon, so streaky bacon. Um, and that's – I'm actually – you know, we're smashing that at home at the moment. Um, my kids are eating about, you know, eight packs of it a week. But uh, wow. we, can, we can kind of do it a little bit sort of, you know, more guilt-free because, you know, it's it's uh, it's, it's preservative-free Got and it. um, nitrate-free. and um, But, yeah, look, once again, don't get me wrong, our bacon is absolutely killer and, um, you know, that's the best seller in all, all of my stuff.
0: So this is the problem with bacon. We can't stop eating it. We can't stop talking about it. This is a business show, Sam. I want you to focus, focus. Look me in the eye. <laughs> Now, where the idea for for running your own butcher shop come from?
1: Well, firstly, my dad was. Uh, uh, a businessman himself, and uh, he was in, he was in marketing, but he was sort of in business for most of uh, well, you know, well, a lot of his sort of professional career. Um, so I think that that kind of that kind of um, entrepreneurial spirit is kind of hard coded into yes. you. So um, you know, I sort of just went through a lot of my sort of early uh, years as being a butcher as being you know quite sort of unsatisfied with just the day to day and and the sort of the core the basics of of mm-hmm. the job itself. I do love butchering, but um, you know it comes comes to a point where in in any sort of industry, I guess, that, um, you know, you feel that you've paid your dues, you've been doing it for, I don't know, 10 years, you feel like you're quite confident, you're quite good at your craft, and it's like, what's next, what's next? And so I kind of got to that point, and I was was actually thinking that I didn't like the industry, and I was, you know, looking for, I guess, ways to get out of it, and kind of, I was at a bit of a a crossroads, I guess you could say, and I'm not sure Mm -hmm. which way to go, and I went on a big overseas holiday uh, around the world uh, by myself for about six months. Months. And it was during that time where, um, you know, I had a bit of a, I guess, epiphany. And, and, I, I love uh, a good epiphany, Sam. Where were you and what was it? Just to go hard and, you know, try and make something of this uh, this career that I've, you know, mm-hmm. invested in. So, so
0: part of that epiphany, was it simply to tell you to get back to Australia and start a business or was, was Canning's Butcher Shop part of that?
1: Um, no, I think. Look, the epiphany was, hey, uh, you don't you don't hate the industry, you don't hate the job. It's uh, you, you want to be in control of, you know, I guess your own destiny and in control of. I know everything I'm saying here makes it sound like I'm a control freak, but I'm actually, <laughs> I don't think I am anyway. But uh, I,
0: I'm guessing you are, and I'll just make a mental note to come back to that. Describe for us cannings because most of us haven't been there. I've introduced it as a high end, is it a butchery butcher shop, but it's pretty classy. So what's the canning experience for someone who hasn't been?
1: The canning experience is a beautiful fit-out, a nice uh, shop aesthetically, super clean, super organised. Ideally, um, look, one of the goals for us is that it doesn't smell like a butcher shop. Uh, you know, it's got a sort of f- fresh kind of smell going How on. How do you quite, do
0: that? It's full of know, dead just, meat. Just
1: good, good, uh, I don't know, good cleaning processes, <laughs> yeah. lots of fresh air going through the place. And right. um, most of the shop- shops are pretty new as well. So we've got that in bit our favour. bit uh, yeah, a bit of pop fury, but um, fairly young staff, high energy, good music, positive culture, um, and then there's the you know high welfare, grass fed. Uh, produce that we we have like our own sort of selection criteria which is quite strict um, and you know so we're actually putting in a lot of time and effort into uh, you know where we get all of our produce from.
0: Sam just just going back to the experience they're, they're beautiful shops beautiful, um, did you have someone come in and design them or did you is it all off your own bat?
1: Well, the first one, no, because everything was done on a on a a shoestring, Uh, so we didn't have an interior designer, and I was sort of just, uh, I guess, you know, designing the shops myself, but winging it can tell and you can tell but um the second shop we did um, yeah I got an interior designer and we did the full um, you know the full uh, I guess you know styled concept and um, and you know we've developed that even further over over the years but I mean it does kind of all have the the, the similar concept now so
0: let's break it down what you've just described to us because mm-hmm. th- that is it is not a standard butcher shop I, I was, in our pre-interview I suggested that you have challenged your industry which I love mm-hmm. your response to me was I didn't realize I was, which I found a little bit astounding because everything you've done you know, if you put a if you put a, a standard 50 year old butcher shop next to Cannings mm. they are vastly different beasts, excuse mm. the pun so mm. did, did you not did you not uh, overtly sort of go through the conventions of butchery and say we're going to do the opposite or is it just played out that way?
1: Yeah, I think it has played out that way a little bit I mean, I'm I guess that's one of the benefits of having your own business is you get to just, you know, do things the way that you like. Before I opened the first store, um, my dad and I, you know, he, he helped me sort of develop, I guess, the brand a little bit um, and and what our sort of our key points of differences were. Which so, were so how did
0: he do that, Sam? How, how did your dad help you develop the brand? Were there certain questions that he asked or certain things uh, exercise he took
1: you through? Yeah, look, probably, but I can't remember exactly what they were because it was, it was about nine nine or so years ago now. And um, But, yeah, look, my dad and I were workshopping quite a bit of stuff as well as, you know, a lot of the uh, local kind of demographic data of Hawthorne because Hawthorne was where the first shop was. You know, there's the logo and the name. What do we call it? And then there was, like, you know, the key points of difference. Uh, and I think at the time where it, was, it was all natural. It was free range and um, uh, hormone-free, grass-fed, hormone-free, that kind of thing. Um, and then – Yeah. So look, a lot of it was just around. It was quite simple, I guess, in terms of you know, it was all about the just high welfare produce, um, and you know, that's where it was all really sort of. So, so
0: fundamentally, the foundation of canning's is high welfare produce. Is that what you? Is that where then everything else kind of came from that? And if so, what does that mean?
1: That's it's it's a deep question, the whole meat ethics thing. But um, but yeah, look, put simply, um, you know, beef that hasn't been in a feedlot, beef that's been you know, grass-fed for its entire life, beef and lamb that's been grass-fed for its entire life and hasn't gone into a feedlot, um, accredited free-range chicken, accredited free-range pork, um, but just going a little bit further than that and, like, meeting farmers, actually going out to the, to our producers and, and, and seeing their establishments and going to the abattoirs and stuff like that. And that's still something that I do today, and it's something that is sort of more regimented in our um, canning selection process mm-hmm. uh, or selection criteria. So, so
0: everything you sell at Cannings, Sam, someone, you or someone else has gone yep. and checked out how these yep, animals me. are being treated. You?
1: Yeah, me personally, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah 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 so um yeah and, and not, is
0: that something you overtly use in your marketing
1: yeah it is it is we've got a new website coming out next week and it's it's sort of a little bit more front and center that that kind of uh philosophy um uh but yeah yeah absolutely yeah it is
0: I am talking to Sam Canning, a Fancy Pants Butcher, I call you, Sam. Fancy Pants. <laughs> I do have some
1: pretty pants nice butcher. pants on at the moment, actually. You should see
0: them. Uh, thanks to American Express. Now, um, again, going back to how you've challenged the category. So beautiful store, food, well, uh, meat and, and desserts, funnily enough. Well presented. you got a bit of blueberry crumble, I notice, in there. Um, yeah, that's right. You've got to wash down the beef somehow. Uh, um, what else have you done in terms of, butchers have always, I would argue, been pretty good at customer service. They've been very welcoming. Mm. Uh, yes. Sort of, you know, they're, they're a fundamental part of any local community. How, how do you do that?
1: Um, look it was easier when I was actually doing it personally um, when I had uh, just the one store being being Hawthorne um, yeah I mean that's how I built the business I spent spent a lot of time on the counter um, and I've never been good with names or I've never been as good with names as uh, as when I started up my own business and I would just I was just remembering everybody's name and just have it building a really good relationship with everyone and um, yeah it's a bit harder now though because I don't spend uh, any time on the counter at all because we do have six stores and um, yeah spending uh, spending time on the counter is quite hard is that um, frustrating um look it was initially but to be honest with you it's um it has been quite a while and it's sort of you know my role has changed a lot over the over the years and um yeah i don't you know i don't think about it as much as i used to it used to really bother me um mm. not having the time in the store Which, it's but, really the um, only reality I, now
0: i've heard it a lot i mean i had a painter a commercial painter uh, on a couple of years ago the minute he stepped off the tools stopped painting buildings and worked on quotes, client liaison, follow up, all that kind of stuff. His business his business quadrupled literally within mm-hmm. a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a funny part of small business, isn't it, Sam? Where you go into it. I mean, for you, you loved butchery. Uh, for the painter guy, uh, his name is Taz, actually Taz Mullis. Uh, he he um he loved painting, but there's a point in business where we started because we loved something, but now that love is growing, so we've got to step away from it and focus on more mm. almost administrative slash strategic kind of tasks.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And look, the business, I must say, uh, no business can ever be really as good as it can be without, you know, like a retail business I'm, I'm talking about, mm. but, I mean, you know, the, the the front man or the front person of the business, you know, just really driving it. It can never be as as, as strong as, as, as that. Moment, but um, yeah, look, all of my managers—they've um, got an amazing sense of ownership. They really do treat the place like their own, and um, yeah, I couldn't ask for, for much more out of uh, out of my management team. They're, they're doing such a great job. This show is
0: made possible thanks to American Express Business Explorer Credit Card, a card that lets your business expenses reward you. I asked Amex member Chris Gray, CEO of Property Buying Business, Your Empire, how he benefits from using his Amex.
2: I use Amex for the whole of my business. Literally every single thing I pay in my business, even down to effectively my staff or my contractors and my rent at home, everything goes on the Amex card. Because with Amex, you get the most points for your dollar spent. And I convert those points into frequent flyer rewards points. I fly 10 or 15 times a year, only business and first class, including those beautiful A380 suites you get on Singapore Airlines where you get your own bedroom, and I fly for free. I don't pay for a single flight. But it's not all upside, or is it? So I've I've still got a million points because I spend so much money in my business... I've then got to pre-plan 10 trips for next year of where do I want to go? I need to find excuses to go to different countries.
0: (laughs) This is a massive first world problem, Chris.
2: It is, but I'm willing to put up with it. So there's there's very few people that can uh, can force themselves through the pain barrier, but I'm willing to do it. I've trained myself.
0: (laughs) New American Express card members who apply and spend $3,000 in the first three months from the card approval date receive a bonus 100,000 membership rewards points. Aye. You got to love it when your business expenses reward you. Search Amex Business to find out how. New American Express card members only. Offer ends November 30, 2017. Terms and conditions apply. You've had some pretty decent growth. You've got you've got 6 stores now in 6 of Melbourne's leafiest suburbs in you're you're 8 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, can you pinpoint the moment where you thought, "Hang on, this is working."
1: Hmm. Um, well, look. Uh, to put it into perspective, it was 2010 when we opened Hawthorne. Um, I was, you know, there with that one shop, building that up until 2014 before I took the next opportunity. Um, and then it's pretty much just been one every year after that.
0: What, what's been What's been the hardest part, Sam, of bringing canning cannings to market?
1: Yeah. Look you know, I'm probably not unique in saying that that, that people and and, and culture is is, is a hard one to... um, Not unique at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's not like I'm pushing pushing it uphill all the time. Mm. Um, You know, I feel like we're in a really great spot at the moment, Um, but just that moment it, it you know there is that that moment when when the owner kind of has to step uh, out of the you know the daily operations of the business but you still need to try and uphold all the values. It's like, um, you know, it's all these these um, these values that I've. Uh, How do you I've do that? In- I've got it. I've got in me, and I need to kind of instill it amongst the other, uh, across all, you know, the whole group. How do you do it? Um, look, we have a lot of, I guess, just a lot of meetings, a lot of talking with with the staff. Um, you know, a lot of documenting now. Like, I guess, you know, it's become. Uh, I guess we've become a little bit more corporate in that regard. You know, you do have to kind of document all these kinds of things and put it all on paper. You know, because. Mm-hmm. Because it does get hard. It does get harder and harder to communicate it. And you know, we're we're six stores, six stores in now, and about a hundred staff. And you know, my my values have sort of you know they've come to this point where they kind of are something that 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 is kind of on paper, and you mm-hmm. kind of need to. I don't know. I- explain it to people because um, it is different. Like I'm not in the store with everyone, and people can't. Th- there's not there's not that kind of grafting thing that goes on when the owner is in the one shop, and everyone else can just observe the owner and see, um, you know, ha- uh, what what yeah, the values yeah. are.
0: So you've got to, you're finding your way around six stores now, and trying to do mm. that on a, on a fairly regular basis. I was talking to. Actually, a past guest only last week, Felicity Rogers from Cargo Crew, which is an interesting business that's challenging the, all the conventions of the the corporate uniform industry. Um, she's seen huge growth over the last couple of years. You know, gone from a handful of staff to thirty or forty staff. They have a meeting every morning, literally. First thing nine o'clock everyone in thirty or forty of them um just a quick update any anyone can talk someone facilitates it they share the facilitation of it. just a way of connecting a bit harder for you because you've got six stores they 've got one.
1: That's Both. amazing. I would love to do exactly uh, exactly that. Um, we've got a head office now, and we actually do that within our within our head office. Mm. Um, but yeah, when we've got the you know the retail thing and multi store kind of thing, it is it is harder. It is harder.
0: It's amazing, mate. You talk, you know, you you have become very corporatized in a in a you know <laughs> six stores. Does that does that sit comfortably with you?
1: It does actually, I must say, I just, maybe I was born for corporate life or whatever, but it's, I mean, it's not super corporate, but I mean, you know, we do have the head office structure thing going on and I'm quite office, uh, office bound these days, but I love it. I love planning. I love strategy. um, I love organizing things. I uh, always have, and I still get to do all of that. Uh, so yeah, I just, I'm just not cutting me.
0: bit of a control freak, Sam?
1: <laughs> no 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 just like oh, organizing uh... that's
2: all
0: oh, of, course. <laughs> of course hey yeah uh, let's let's talk a, a bit more Well, a bit more marketing let's drill down on the marketing of cannings yeah. because there's some things you're doing that are finding quite interesting you have managed to get the whole cannings brand down to one word and i don't hear this very often from business owners i think it's very clever what's your one word and break it down for us
1: um, so the one word is care uh, and essentially the philosophy around it is uh, if we care about every little step of the process, all you have to do is give every little bit of process a bit of care and, um, and everything, is going to be, uh, everything is going to work out fine. When I say every bit of the process, it's, you know, it's your workmanship, it's how you treat your customers, how you treat your staff. If there's care in every one of those little steps, then you know, I, I just feel that you know, with a bit of care, uh, nothing can really go wrong. I like that. Where'd yeah, that come yeah. from?
0: Where'd that idea come from? That's something you'd read in a marketing textbook.
1: Well, yeah. Look, I am going to sound like Dad. a bit of a, you know, a bit of a copycat now if I uh, if I tell <laughs> you. But um, uh, no, I got it from. Um uh well from uh, the rock pool the rock pool philosophy oh, yeah. um and i think i read that on a uh on a, on, a, on, a, on an in-flight magazine and um yeah neil perry uh was in an interview and and he had um i think his mantra was also care or something very mm-hmm. similar and it just really resonated with me i'm like holy hell that is like that is perfect for us and um yeah that's um that's like that's what we go by.
0: And and really, that is care for the customer. It's care for the animal. It's care for the farmer, the supplier, the staff. It's it just every every aspect of the Cannings business.
1: That's right. That's right. Good, yep. mate. It's clever. Yep. Mm. So
0: mm. Uh, real estate strategy, talk to me about that. You are in, again, this is a global show, but uh, you are in Melbourne's most affluent suburbs. You're in Kew. You're in Ivanhoe. You're in Hawthorne. You're in Armadale? Uh Mulvan. Mulvan. Jeez, mate. You know, you uh Mm. what what, again, what's the thinking there? Sounds obvious, but why?
1: Oh yeah, look, it kind of is obvious. Um obviously what comes with a with a high welfare, free range premium product is a is a is a price tag that kind of reflects that kind of uh that kind of product. And yeah, so look, just so happens to you know that we have to be in those suburbs to sort of be able to to get that 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 premium.
0: Now don't get cross with me, Sam. I get my. I'm going to. I'm going to figure out how expensive you are now by this simple, simple little formula. Um, I buy my eye fillet. it. Oh, he's going to kill me. I don't ever. I'm not going to say this. Okay, I'll say it. Big breath. What you for <laughs> I get my eye fillet it from Coles, and uh, it's thirty nine ninety nine a kilogram. Yep. How are we going so far?
1: Um... Well, look. On face value, we're not going too well. <laughs> but, um, but no, look. There's different grades, I guess, that would be on the on the supermarket shelf there as well. And look, you can get good meat from the supermarket. They do have some sol- select kind of um, lines, you know, yeah. grass fed, premium kind of stuff. Yes. But um, yeah, it's 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 not really an apples for apples kind of situation.
0: Come on, uh, how much is your eye fill at a kilogram? Don't avoid it. Uh,
1: I'm not sure. I should know. Shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, no. it's a, I think it, we're we I think we're low to mid sixties. Yeah, but I think you'd find that you know comparing apples for apples, and like we trim all the you know the silver skin off the top. I think you'd find it's pretty similar. And um, yeah, look, um, you know, that's interesting. Skin I
0: skinless. I bought a. Um I bought, I don't know even what you call it, but a slab of eye fillet from Aldi the other day. See, this is just getting embar- embarrassing. I know I'm going to get a whole of <laughs> you know, Timbo the tight ass. Um, but um, someone said, no, you've got to get the eye fillet from Eldie. It's really good. But there was, it was actually all, you just called it silver skin. Sorry to all you vegetarians yes. listening, but um, it was yeah, very sil- tough. It was very average eye fillet, I must say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of the time where the supermarkets let them down is, um, is just the aging process. They really do rush things through. And they'll, you know, with, with red meat in particular, they um, uh, it, need, it needs age. It needs minimum two weeks, uh, right. ideally about, you know, four weeks of, of aging before it's ready to eat. And, you know, supermarkets will just buy it one day and sell it the next, and it's just not ready. Um, so it could just be something as simple as that. But, what's, um, yeah,
0: What's the best marketing you do for cannings, Sam?
1: Oh, you know what? I this is something we we've been doing for years, and I just think it is the best marketing avenue of all time, and that is um it's SMS, it's um yeah it's text text message. We've got a um, fairly large uh, database of SMS, uh, or oh, sorry, of mobile numbers that um, that we've acquired over the years where our customers uh, have opted in to the to the program, and yeah we text them uh, weekly or fortnightly just with, with specials. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's so good. I mean, everyone's phone is, you know, within about a meter of them at all times. So, um, we do quite a lot of different things, but you know, the text message is just that one thing. It's just straight to the customer. And, um, I just don't think there's anything better that and better than that. And it's, um, you know, it's pretty cheap as well.
0: I think that's genius. How are you capturing the mobiles?
1: Um, how are we doing it at the moment? Look, we do a lot of, um, uh, well, because we, you know, we have the, the, the face-to-face thing over the counter, so just a lot of communication, mm-hmm. mostly uh, over over you the counter. You might grab with that.
0: your mobile and send you a few specials every now and then. Well,
1: yeah, well, we put like, we'll put a little card in their bag or something like that, and then they um, they do it when they get home. But um, you know, I, I reckon that's one of, the, one of one of the best things, one of the best things ever. Um, well, you know, it's we- an
0: idea. I mean, you can imagine how many times I asked that question. Uh, SMS marketing does not come up come up often and i and i think it's very clever because as you say your phone is always with your person generally Mm. speaking throughout the day and night um Mm. and i don't know about you but i don't get a lot of a lot of marketing come through my phone
1: i don't think yeah look i think it's a it's a bit of a hard sell i think You know, because people don't want to give out their mobile numbers um, Mm. willy nilly. So I think it's you really you really do have to have a a relationship with, you know, you've got to have a. a, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Many would a a friendship or something with your with your customers, and um, you know, not not anyone's just you know. I don't think anyone's going to let Aldi you know get (laughs) on. Not going to give mobile number. we,
0: We laugh, but Aldi is Australia's most trusted brand uh For twenty eighteen wow. yeah, I know, so wow. maybe we we would give it to aldi We might not give it to Coles. who knows we can keep mm. thinking about that Col- tell tell Col- me Col- about
1: already
0: have it. correct, correct <laughs> um school of butchery, what is it, and why is it
1: uh school of butchery is uh it's a series of uh one night courses that we that we run out of our Q store. Uh, and basically there's, you know, there's different, there's different courses. There's a lamb night, there's a sausage night, there's a night that we call the Canning's Apprentice, which is, um, you know, we, we do a lot of little things. Basically people can buy tickets from the We Teach Me website. And, um, yeah, I guess it's, a, it's an event that we, that we, that we hold at the, uh, at the Q store. Yeah, why? Uh, why, why is it? Um, not oh, sure. Bit of fun. Um, <laughs> just let 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 people see what we do behind the scenes. Um, there's a bit of mystery, I think, behind it. And um, you know, us, is, us is butchers- it good for
0: business? Is it a way for you to give back? Do you get staff out of it? Is there any sort of strategic reason for doing these? Uh, what are they called again? Uh, School of Butchery Nights.
1: Yeah, look. Um, without sounding bitter and jaded about it, I don't, I don't think there's any good that comes out of it. Aside from, it's honestly, it's not a money spinner. It's it's so hard to run these nights at a really good price point. Right. It's 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 hard for us to make money even when they're incredibly expensive. Like they are quite expensive. I think you know uh, they they sort of average around three hundred to four hundred dollars a night per person. Mm-hmm. But they're just they're just great fun. And um, how many did you yeah. get along to one of those nights? I think we 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 cap it at about eight. Um, some of them are capped at six, depending on. Um, so that's about two what, and a half
0: grand, say two grand a night. Um yep, How are yep. you not making not it's not huge dollars? But why aren't you making yep. money for? How can they How can they cost you money?
1: Oh look, I think a lot of a lot of it is just down to the the, the cost of the materials that we have to you know work with, with being meat. Um, it, it's expensive. Um, we kind of. We can't use, you know, what gets uh, what we work on, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we cook a bit of food, we serve a little bit of wine, um, we hand out, you know, the the knives, we give the customers, the or the um, mm-hmm. we, the guests, we give them the knives and, and things like that. So, I don't know, it just adds up, the staff, um, et cetera. We've got to pay our staff to, to be there. And I don't know, it's just one of those, it all adds up scenarios. Yeah,
0: you, you sound pretty bitter and twisted about it, Sam. I thought you'd probably let <laughs> it go. <laughs> write, a mem- write a memo after this interview. No, no more school selling- of butchery.
1: No, but they're selling out. Like they're, they're they're selling out. We 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 actually the limitation for us is is actually finding the st- our staff who are prepared to do it because it's a Saturday that we, we host them on Saturday nights and we actually run out of um, staff who are who are able yeah, to host okay. them.
0: Mm. Fair enough. I, I I may be a bit behind the time, Sam. It wouldn't be the first time I have been called that a bit slow, but. Looks like butchery is following the same trajectory as being a barber. Uh, barbers have become very cool again. You know, we're seeing them pop up on every street corner and in between. They're offering an incredible experience. I had a, a fellow from a barber's on the show only recently. A, a barber's called Scumbags. Fantastic <laughs> experience. It's where I get my haircut. But um, again, what I'm seeing in in the land of butchery is we've got the traditional butcher shop. We've got these, I've got a sort of, I've got a half fancy butcher shop near me, but it doesn't go past sort of just the presentation is like a little bit better than the standard butcher shop. And then you've got butcher shops like Cannings. You're sort of seeing an industry that's really starting to change right in front of your eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm seeing yeah the next generation kind of come through, and um, yeah, there's some really great ideas and concepts and stuff coming through, and um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, it was kind of you know forced upon the meat industry by the by the supermarkets who are taking control of the, the yes. industry quite a lot and, and running a lot of the smaller operators out of out of town in a lot of places. But yeah, look, we always open up next to a supermarket. It's that's part of our business model to be near Clever. a supermarket and yes. and just um, uh, take them. Well, not really take them on, but, I mean, we're just not really worried about – like, you've got to have them there for the, for the foot traffic. You know, people are thinking food when they're at the supermarket. And, um, You're
0: selling uh, – you've got six retail outlets. You're, you've got an online store. Is there wh- – wh- what do you see the future of butchery being? Is, 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 it, is it
1: online? Uh, look, I think online's got potential to have yeah a lot of growth. Um, we're investing quite a bit in the online space uh, at the moment. Uh, we've been doing online for about four years, and it's pretty good. Um, but it's nothing like it's nothing like retail, like you know bricks and mortar kind of retail for us, but
0: So can you imagine Cannings having twenty stores around Australia in the next ten years, or can you imagine that reducing and having a much stronger e commerce presence?
1: Depends which day you're talking, actually, about <laughs> <love> that. <laughs> Because yeah, um, not lately though. I haven't had any uh, any, any thoughts about uh, you know sort of downscaling and just going into the online space. Although I have thought about it and thought, oh, how fancy free and and how easy would that be just to have an online store and not have any retail stores. But no, I haven't had haven't been thinking that way for for a while now. And um, but having said that, no, I, I look. I, I'm I'm not sure about the uh, the interstate expansion 20, 30, 40 stores mm-hmm. across Australia. It's I want, a, I want a simple life that I can you know manage and yeah I, I don't need that 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 uh, that crazy kind of scale in in my life. I don't think, but Fair hey, enough. don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> I might change my mind tomorrow. <laughs> what,
0: what's your what's your work life balance like, Sam? I'm re- I'm reckoning it's pretty good.
1: It's really really good. Yeah yeah. It's um I work four days a week about. Three or four months ago, I I made the decision and I gave myself permission to not work on Fridays as well as Saturdays and Sundays. And um, that's been probably one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, And I, you know, I basically get Friday to, to, you know, spend on myself um, because obviously Saturdays, uh, Saturday Sundays are quite sort of family orientated. I've got two little kids. So what's Friday look like? Oh, Friday is um, spending time in my recording studio or taking my motorbike out for a spin. What are you Um, recording?
0: Podcast? I'm not
1: (laughs) – well, yeah, at the moment. But uh, no, look, I love recording bands. Um, Yeah, recording rock bands, basically. That's uh, brilliant,
0: buddy. So you're taking that Friday off, that decision, because again, a lot of business owners listening to this going, how? I could never do that, not in a million years. Did you take a hit financially to do that?
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, look, I think the um, the head office structure, as that sort of developed and developed. Look, we've got about eight people in the head office at the moment, and I'm just at that point where it kind of doesn't really matter where I am at any one particular point in time now. Um, as so long as I can answer a phone call, respond to an email, awesome. keep the, the wheel spinning, because um, I'm not really a part of any sort of day to day kind of stuff anyway. So it's you know it's it's decision making yeah. and um, and you know conversations and strategy is what I do, and um, you know they don't need that on a Friday.
0: Good uh, and a good decision. So you see, obviously yeah. better, you're better off for it. Your wife's probably mm. loving it. Kids are loving it. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a yeah. he's no, a better it's...
0: bloke, the old man now that he has Fridays off. <laughs>
1: But, no, look, I completely understand, you know, the, the the trap that sort of, you know, we all fall into. And, um, look, if you're working in a retail kind of thing and you're part of the um, the manpower, then you don't have a choice. And I totally get it because I've, I've done that. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, as, as we went into that sort of head office uh, structure, it's – I don't know. just – I'm not really missed, so yeah, <laughs> that's it's awesome. a great thing.
0: Hey, Sam, I think it's a great story, mate. I I wish I could get down to a Canning's Butchers in my old hometown, but uh, alas, you'll have to open one in Noosa if that's going to happen. Not out of the question, well, being Melbourne's most northern suburb, so uh Who knows? <laughs> Uh, people can find out more if they want to online. What is it? Cannings Free Range Butchers? That's a quite a long domain name you got yourself there.
1: No, nah, no, nah, it is. But um, yeah, no, the, the shorter version of that
0: is just canningsbutchers.com.au. Why have you got au? Is that a bit of an SEO keyword rich play?
1: Well, no, that's that's the business name. The business yes. name is Cannings Free Range Butchers. And um, yeah, look, Cannings is the, uh, is the, the shortened, more URL-friendly version. Yeah, clever.
0: Mm -hmm. Clever. Well done, Sam. Great story. Uh, All the best for the future. Thanks, Tim. Well, there you go. Fancy Pants Butcher, Sam Canning. Now, be sure to hang around after my top three attention grabbers, which I'm about to share with you as listener Danny shares her marketing secrets and wins big in the Monster Prize draw. But right now, my top three attention grabbers from that chat with butcher Sam Canning. Thanks to our mates at American Express. Attention grabber number one. I just simply love that Sam's challenging the industry in which he works. You know, it's a staid industry. It's a very old industry uh, and it needs a bit of a tickle. And Sam is doing just that. Attention grabber number two, SMS marketing. Genius. I don't know about you, but my phone is not full of businesses trying to get me to buy from them. So I think there might be an opportunity. I don't want it to be full of either, but... I would argue that there is a bit of an opportunity there, and clearly it's working for Sam and Canning's butchery. Attention grabber, number three, documenting systems. Now, Sam's relatively, well, it's relatively new business, but he's got six stores. I love the fact that he's documenting all the systems and processes in his business. It'll make it more valuable if and when it comes time to sell, and it just makes running the business a whole lot easier because if someone doesn't show up, Systems documented and you're in good shape. That's what grabbed my attention. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash four three five. Let me know what grabbed yours. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly doodly. It is that time of the episode where we reward a motivated listener for taking some swift action. I want to hear from you. What idea have you learned from this show, implemented, and what impact has it had on your business? If you do that and I read it on air, you win some prizes. Righto, today's winner is... Danielle Rathman from Heartbeat Handicrafts. Well done, Danielle. And this is what she sent me. She says, hey, Timbo. Firstly, thanks for the great content and interviews you keep rolling out. My journey into small business is relatively new, but I'm so excited about what's ahead. I like that. I started Heartbeat Handicrafts in 2015 with the encouragement and comfort of doing it alongside my sister, who also started selling handmade accessories at the same time. Good to have a buddy to work along, I reckon, when you're building a business. You can whinge to them. You can hug them. You can high-five them when you've had a big win. Danielle goes on to say, I pretty quickly identified some of my knowledge gaps. Well done, including marketing. Now I am mainly running heartbeat handicrafts and only working as an occupational therapist one day a week. Because it's a long drive to the OT job, I use this time to binge listen your podcast like that, which gives my which gives me a huge surge of motivation, and I don't feel the day's wasted away from the business. When I get home, and I like what Danielle's doing here, I scramble to write down all of the marketing gold that I feel I can get stuck into straight away, or that I need to think through further. Great idea. You know, this show and other podcasts like it, you know, we give advice that is implementable immediately, but there'll be some other big ideas that you go, hmm. I need to mull over that, and that's a good thing. Danielle goes on to say, I have been able to start putting into action several of the ideas, but only I'll only mention a couple in this email. One of the key messages that kept coming up was that a product or service needed to solve a problem or personal pain point for a potential customer. I couldn't identify what this was for my existing range because I was selling mainly handmade earrings, which in my view is more of a luxury than a need. That's Danielle saying that, not me. I realized that I did actually have my own personal pain point in relation to the products I sold though. I would tend to lose or break earrings when traveling because they would just be thrown into my makeup bag. This spurred on the development of my fabric earrings travel pouches. That's genius. I found this new product line then made it easier for me to start making short videos because I had something to talk about now that I had a product that was helpful for customers. That's exactly how it works, Danielle. I am also now a huge fan of building relationships. I collaborate with local artists by making earrings featuring their artworks. This has been successful because customers who already liked the artist's work but didn't have space for a whole canvas or couldn't afford something large had the opportunity to buy statement earrings from me instead both the artists and my business benefit from the exposure to each other's social media followers thanks again timbo for the content you're creating kind regards danielle rathman HeartbeatHandicrafts.com.au is where you'll find danielle's work well thank you danielle for listening and most importantly for implementing and as a result you have won A bathroom essentials pack from past guest Saya McDermott. That includes some special potions and lotions valued at $79. You get a pass into the American Express Lounge at Melbourne or Sydney International Airports. That's valued at $33. And you get a backlink on the Small Business Big Marketing website, which is priceless. Now, I'd love to hear from you. I'm running a bit low on emails from listeners who have done something as a result of listening to this show. So send me an email, tim at timreid.com.au, that's R-E-I-D, telling me what it is. Keep it simple, keep it short. If I read it on air, you win some prizes and go into the prize draw to win a hot lap with Bathurst winner, racing car legend, past guest, Steve Richards. That is worth entering for alone. That's the Monster Prize Draw for another week. Righto, it's time for the advertising jingle of the week. This one's from 1981, and as a young, hot-blooded Australian teenager, I was 14 at the time, it triggers some very, very fond memories. Memories that we don't need to go into any detail on this show. It's a family show, but fond memories nonetheless. Now, the ad is for the flavoured milk brand Big M. It's set on a surf beach where there's plenty of young guys and girls in their bathers running around having a lot of fun. The problem is, though, when the girl tries to drink the milk from the carton, it runs down her front. I don't know, possibly an issue with the packaging. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, here's the jingle.
2: Milk will never be the same, now the big M's. M, big M.
0: Oh, every time I hear that, it triggers some childhood memories. Is 14 a child? I suppose so. Some childhood memories. Good memories nonetheless. You can watch the ad over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 435. Well, that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, sponsored by our great friends at American Express. Search Amex Business to find out how your business expenses can reward you. I've got some great interviews coming up, including one on mental health for small business owners, a chat with a fellow who's selling merchandise for small businesses through vending machines at works, and he's doing some other amazing stuff as well. He's met Richard Branson. He's got the prime minister coming to his office tomorrow. I've already done the interview. It was a great story. And in a few weeks' time, you and I will be masterclassed in SEO tactics for 2019 by one of the world's leading experts. So be excited. Be very, very excited. Don't forget there's an entire back catalogue of interviews over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you love the show, then tell another business owner about it. Please download it on their phone. Do it today, three a day for a week. It's 21. Dick that box. Until next week, I am Timbo Reed. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.